0: I am so excited to start today's podcast, and I even have this special thing. It is a wooden plank that my son put in recording in progress. So he made this special for my birthday for the podcast. So we're ready to go. Everyone's recording in progress. Here we go. So welcome to Kulanu Matters with Molly and Bonnie. I'm really excited today to have our very first special guest. So today we have Rabbi Gerald Sussman of Temple Emmanuel Staten Island. He's been the rabbi there for 41 years. And he's also on the New York Board of Rabbis, Board of Governors. He's the founder and executive at Union for Traditional Judaism. And he's a blogger for the Times of Israel on Kulanu issues. And most importantly, he is a world traveler and companion husband of Benita, Nathan Sussman. So we're really excited to have Jerry with us today.
1: Welcome.
2: Thank you. For
1: 47 years, you should say, and I want to say happy birthday, Molly. But you told a story about your your son's birthday present. I have a joke to begin with. The topic of this podcast is origins. And uh, here's, the, here's the joke. The kid goes to his parents and say, mommy and daddy, where am I from? And the parents begin to think, uh oh, it's time to tell him about the birds and the bees. And the kid says, but mommy, I thought we were from Philadelphia. That's the joke. So our origin stories are something that um, everybody has them. I mean, historically. Our Jewish origin comes from the Torah and the creation of the world in Adam and Eve. Uh, In some Asian communities, they believe that their origins come from spiders or from some other place I know I know American Native people relate to a totem pole, which somehow tells the story of their origins. And our communities around the world, I mean, Kulanu deals with three groups, um, returning, emerging, and isolated communities. And the returning groups all have very interesting origin stories. And that's why I brought my husband, the dear Rabbi Gerald Sussman, uh, to come, who's really an expert more on this topic than I am, to talk about some of the origin stories. Yes,
0: I'm excited to learn more today. And first, we wanted to start with the Lemba of Zimbabwe. So Rabbi Sussman, can you share a little bit about um that topic with us?
2: Well, the Lemba are one of the most interesting groups in that A lot of work has been done regarding their origin. The Lemba live in Zimbabwe, South Africa, Malawi, but the main community is actually the largest one, I believe, is in Zimbabwe. Um, And there are various estimates of the numbers and, and, and so forth. But the Lemba had a legend, a tradition, that they came from a place far away and um, brought their traditions with them, and that that makes uh, that's important to as to who they are. And some of their traditions, uh, particularly are, are really kashrut. For example, Lemba will only eat meat, that was slaughtered by a circumcised lemba. And they were known, at least in the past, as not eating in other people's houses because I guess they wanted to make sure it was kosher. And they have quite a number of traditions, including circumcision of boys and and so forth. And um, the legend, let's say, or the tradition among the lembas is that they came from someplace, someplace to the east and a small number of people who then intermarried with the local women. And that's the origin of the Lemba tribe. Do
1: you know how many Lemba
2: there are? I've heard various estimates from 50,000 to much larger than that. And uh, the Lembas are an important group. They were known for medicinal knowledge also knowledge of iron and and construction and 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 so forth and again the the origin stories of them is that they came from another place and called called senna in in what's now i believe oman
1: wasn't it yemen
2: well, so South Yemen yeah, sort of blends one into the other, and again that would make their origin story very sensible because one of the main world trade routes went from the southern part of the Arabian Peninsula down the coast of East Africa, where they uh, they left Sena. According to this legend, they left Sena because of a drought and other problems and built a new Sena someplace on the coast of Africa and then migrated further into the interior and are the, it turned out to be the Lemba that we have now.
1: They also have this, they also uh, believe that they were the builders of the Great Wall or whatever, what's that called? Ah,
2: they believe that they were the builders of one of the most important landmarks in, in, uh, in, in, in Africa, and that is the original city of um, Zimbabwe, Old Zimbabwe, I believe it's called. I might have gotten that not quite accurate. Though.
0: Right. No, it's the Great Zimbabwe. Great
2: and so Zimbabwe. Yes. Great, yes it's Zimbabwe. great Zimbabwe. Oh, Zimbabwe
1: right Molly, there. you visited. What did yes, you see yes, I you visited it. the Great Wall there? Yes, it's... So
0: impressive, like you can really see all the hard work and the meticulous effort that was put in to build these walls and these structures that have lasted for centuries. And that's actually what the country of Zimbabwe is named after.
2: Yeah, and and it's a huge stone city. And uh, I think it's the only one of its kind in that part of Africa. So there's an academic by the name of Tudor Parfit, who these days is a professor at Florida International University. Who spent a lot of time investigating the origin of the Zimbab- Zimbabwe, and he journeyed uh, through the Arabian Peninsula until he found what he believes is the the original city of Sena, where they, uh, where according to the traditions they came from. This is not the only story of the their origin. I believe there's another scholar, Ro- Robson Wariga, who is himself a Lemba, who has a somewhat different version, but. Um, they, uh, one of their, one of their uh, legends is that they used to have a book, which was very important, but because they sinned by eating forbidden food, the book was lost, uh, and many of their traditions went with it. The other very interesting thing about the lemba is that you perhaps you've heard in genetic studies about the...
1: Yeah, this is the most curious part of the, the lemba.
2: The haplotype Wait, this has gene. to do
1: with the Tudor Parfit um, research on the lemba that happened uh, a long time... Um, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, and it was actually uh, headlined in the New York Times. The lemba were in the headline... Uh, headlines of the New York Times for the genetic research that Professor Tudor Parfit did. You want to talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, well, the Kohanim, people who are descended from the ancient priesthood, descended from Aaron Moses' brother, according to tradition, they have a particularly genetic signature that was discovered, that they have to a much greater extent than anybody else. And So, the the belief is that this genetic signature was passed down from very ancient times to the Kohanim. Now, to the priests, the the Lemba... It's
1: called the Buba, the Buba Priestly Tribe.
2: Well, I'll get to that. The Lemba have divided into clans, which have traditional occupations. And there's one clan called the Buba, which... From which their traditional leaders, religious leaders, come from. And the Buba clan has this genetic signature uh, at the same rate as Ashkenazi and Sephardi Jews in other parts of the world. So this seems to be a proof of the Lemba's Israelite origin. And of the lemba, there are again, different groups today. The one that we are most familiar with say that, well, you know, in order to survive and bring our culture forward in our fast changing world, we have to adopt Judaism as it's practiced around the world.
1: Okay, so we talked about the lemba. I want to add two little comments about the lemba. Um one, they preserve the traditions of what kosher locusts are. Um in the Yemenite, in, the Yemenites have a tradition of what the Kosher lo- locusts are in the Torah, and they have that tradition. And the other thing is they preserve some Rosh Kodesh uh New Moon pre- um, tradition where they would take a bucket of water and mm-hmm. the reflection of the uh, moon in the water would be caught and they had a ceremony around the new moon. Molly, did you know that?
0: No, that's really, really interesting.
1: Isn't it? And the, and the, the locust thing is kind of interesting too, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the, Ibo- the Ibu
0: of Ni- Nigeria. Can you tell the us about Ibo- the Ibu?
2: The Igbos or Igbos that they're sometimes called in Nigeria. Well, that's a very large group. It's one of the three main ethnic groups in Nigeria. The low estimate I've seen of their population is 15 million, 30, 30 million, 30, 30 million, million, million like which 32. is around double the population of all the rest of the people who say they're Jewish in the world. And they, again have many traditions. One, a very important one, is that they are descendants. Of one of the sons of Jacob, God, the tribe of God, because in the Torah itself, there's a genealogy where all of Jacob's grandchildren are listed. And this his son God had a, there's a list of, of, of descendants, Ari and Arodi and Araeli and a few others. Well, what is perhaps the major clan among the Ebos is the clan of Ari. And Ari is a major figure among the Ebos. For some, he's kind of someone who came down from above and kind of imparted many traditions and much knowledge to them, and others he's simply the son, the grandson of our ancestor Jacob. So that's a that's a very uh, um, very uh, strong one. Also, many of the traditions and, let's say, ways and beliefs of the traditional of the Igbo tribe are very similar to Judaism, and they can explain certain things in the Torah in in ways that the rest of us wouldn't think of because of their own traditions. For example, it talks about uh, Jacob. So Jacob is running away from Lavan, or is running away from his brother Esau, and he finds refuge with Lavan, his uncle, his, his mother's brother. And I heard from Remy Lona that...
1: Say who Remy
2: is. Remy Lona is a scholar and academic and Ebo uh, himself.
1: Wait a minute, Molly. We know more about Remy. You know something about Remy?
0: Well, he was studying in Florida and now he's in California.
1: Going so for his PhD somewhere? PhD, yes. Yes. Yeah. And he got his master's degree from Florida International University, studying with Professor Tudor Parfit. And he's an international spokesperson for the Ebo of Nigeria. And he's written many books. You can Google him, Ramy Ilona, I-L-O-N-A. He has a new book that I think just came out. And you can buy it on Amazon. Okay, Rabbi Sussman, continue. Well,
2: I once heard him say... That, you know, there's the story of how Jacob cheats his brother Esau out of the birthright and and so forth. And then he runs away to his mother's brother, Lavan, and lives there for many years and then eventually returns and faces Esau. But, so the question that Ramey asked was, well, why did, if Esau wanted to kill him, why couldn't he just, you know, uh, hopped on a bus, you know, and went to Lavan and killed him there? And the answer that, that Ramey gave is well, okay, According to some old Lemba traditions, if you did something wrong and you take refuge with your mother's relatives, no one can touch you. So here from Ebo tradition, he had a very interesting explanation of, of a question that comes up in, in our Torah reading.
1: Okay. And I know when we mentioned that you'll do the podcast with us, you said you wanted to compare this to Cameroon. So, would you like to talk about Cameroon a little bit? Oh, uh,
2: okay. So, the, the, the Igbo or Igbo, again, they feel they have this direct connection, but they also feel that their traditions are reminiscent of, uh, of Judaism in many ways so there even though they didn't it wasn't called Judaism but say they, they could see the the congruence between ancient ibo traditions and those of Judaism now the uh in in the people in Cameroon from various tribes actually have a different, quite different story of origin. And there are actually two main figures in Cameroon. One is a man by the name of Laurent, a Luna, who was a very prominent evangelist and bishop who had a congregation of thousands, traveled all over the world and so forth. And but he felt something disquieting, something that in in his faith and his beliefs that just didn't sit right with him. um also his his um his intuitions were confirmed by a dream in which uh, he heard that no that you, the God telling telling him I would guess that would is what it would be telling him that to follow the religion of the Torah, the religion of Israel. And so when he did that and announced it to his congregation, he lost most of his followers And adherence, and certainly the exalted position that he had in society. And now he has a a congregation of a a fair number of families and a Jewish school and so forth, and is one of the leaders of that community. Then there's someone else, which is, I think, very also in a certain way typical of some uh, Serge Etel, who um, also. I think originally it had something to do with Eluna, but how he tells the story, how he told it to us some time ago, he said that worst we were Catholics, and a Catholic does what the priest says. Then, uh, the uh, then a uh, revival came through the area, and they said you should everything has to be proved through Scripture, so they studied the Scripture. And he said, well, you know, they began to notice that there's contradictions in ideology or in practice between the Old and New Testaments.
1: Well, we find that a lot in in converts, even in America, that they find uh, you know, all of the um, you know, they 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 feel that somehow uh they find Judaism through the texts and and disillusionment with Christianity.
2: Yeah, and and, in fact, there are many uh, churches in Africa which emphasize the Old Testament more than the New. But but in any case, so um, they studied and studied and came to the conclusion that they should follow the Old and that Judaism is the true religion. And But they were not that familiar with how it's practiced. And so they said the first Passover, they slaughtered a lamb and put his blood on the doorpost, as it's written in the book of Exodus. But then, he said, they went online and discovered rabbinic Judaism, and the next Seder was very much like, like ours. So when, when Bonnie and I went quite a few years ago to visit the lemba, um. Not the no, remember, the, the, Cameroonians. the Cameroonians, right, to went to visit them. Um, we were the first real live Jewish folks, non-virtual ones, that they had ever met.
1: And that's often the case. I mean, when we travel, and we're going to wrap up with this in a minute, uh, when we travel, the best thing that we do is we give them the gift that we validate their journeys and the journeys and uh, the stories and um their beliefs are totally amazing. And it's so it's such an honor and humbling experience <clears throat> to meet with these groups. And for me, it turned into a sense of responsibility. And that's how I became a volunteer at Kulanu. And that's um uh, that's why my life dedication in almost 20 years has been to these groups and i know molly um you also have a sense of responsibility to to emerging jewish communities around the globe i want to thank rabbi sussman my wonderful husband for all of his generous knowledge sharing which he always does in a very kind and thoughtful way molly what's coming up next so next i
0: think we can share a little bit more about origin stories i think there's so much to share and so much that's interesting maybe the next one we can do the banana scene because i feel like that is a whole topic in and of itself we'll see but i'm really excited about this podcast and having a guest with us. So thank you, Rabbi Sussman. And remember to subscribe to our podcast. You can find it on Apple, Pandora, and Spotify, as well as on YouTube. And if you see it on YouTube, you get to see some extra videos and photos and footage. So it's always nice to have that extra visual. And be sure to also visit our website, kulanu.org, K-U-L-A-N-U dot O-R-G, And there you can find out more about Pulanu and all the work that we're doing with communities, Jewish communities in 33 different countries, and you can also sign up for our newsletter right on the web page there. So thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to having you join thank us. Thank you, time for you so much. Oh, thank you, Rabbi. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Thank you, Molly. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Kulanu.org, so it's K-U-L-A-N-U dot O-R-G slash donate.